Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to another Work Human Radio. I am your host, Mike Wood, and I am thrilled to bring you some very special on-location content uh, that we put together for Black History Month. We decided to tap into our network of experts and go down to D.C. and visit some historical places and talk about diversity and inclusion with the people that live it. Our CHRO, Steve Pemberton, has said a couple times now that recognition is the bridge between diversity and inclusion. I think he's on to something because when we talk to people down there about the African-American struggle through history and uh, where it's at today, it is really that struggle to be recognized as a human, to be recognized for who you are and get that equality. And that struggle for equality is also a struggle for, you know, just basic recognition to be seen. And as our research has shown, um, just internally through our our recognition and, and partners, people need to be recognized. And so the first interview that I'd like to share with you is um, we shot it on January 15th. And that, as some of you may be aware, is Martin Luther King Jr.'s actual birthday. His, um, the holiday is uh, just in uh, uh, observance of, of that. But I was down on his birthday at the monument with Tamara Raspberry. And Tamara Raspberry has been on the show before, and she's an HR professional that is very focused on diversity and inclusion and very real. She lives the experience and knows what she's talking about. So she and I went down there, and we were looking at the new monument, and I'm just struck by the amount of people that were there, the the beauty of, of the monument. If you get a chance, go see it. Um, and just we we sat and we talked about what diversity and inclusion means today. And that with diversity and inclusion, you must have opportunity. So take a listen to our on-location interview with Tamara Raspberry in front of the Martin Luther King Jr. Monument. And stay tuned over the next couple of weeks for even more interviews. So Tamara Raspberry, as we sit here and we look at Martin Luther King in his memorial, what are you thinking? What I'm thinking is how so many of the things that he fought for we're still fighting for today. What I'm thinking is, oh my goodness, he was murdered when he was only 39 years old. I feel like 39 was so young (laughs) for me. I'm thinking we have so much work still to do to achieve civil rights and equality for everyone. And where can we start? What's my part in it? What can I do? And you mentioned to me that your parents were at his March on Washington. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, honestly, I don't really know that much about it. They just mentioned to me that they were there in the context of a regular conversation. It wasn't like a family history lesson. <laughs> <laughs> so they just mentioned to me that they were there. But it helped me gain like kind of a different perspective of my parents that like they were like active in the civil rights movement, like they were actually doing things. Because once you know your parents, 
by the time they have you, a lot of times, like, they're done doing the interesting stuff that they were doing <laughs> when they were younger. So I was like, oh, wow. So you guys were, like, out there marching and, like, and so they were like, yeah. So that just gave me, like, a little more insight into who they were before me. And we just spent a couple hours in the National Museum of African American History and Culture. It was a pretty moving place, to say the least. Can you tell me your thoughts of that and the different exhibits that we saw? Absolutely. The museum is amazing. I need to go back there and, you know, spend some more time, some more days there. But every exhibit that we looked at, it's like you could feel the personal connection. We looked at the Emmett Till exhibit, and that whole story is just so amazingly sad. And the things are just not far removed. You're talking about the 50s. This is 2020. It's not that long ago. There are still people alive who were alive then and are still wishing and hoping and fighting for the same things. We're still trying to get equal pay. We're still trying to not get killed if we get pulled over by the cops. Like, we're still fighting for these same things. It's sad. It's really sad to me that we are still going through the same struggles for no other reason than the color of our skin. So as we've been seeing the different exhibits and museums today, and even here at the MLK Monument, we've seen a lot of families, we've seen a lot of school kids. Mm -hmm. Do you think there is hope that things will be different for that generation as opposed to our generation or even this generation before us because of the work that people like Dr. King did? I think you always have to have hope. I think if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. But it's slow change. We can't say that things are exactly the same as they were then, but they're still not great. So it's slow change, but we have to have hope. We have to teach the children all of the things that We've had to go through the people before us, the people that are going through now, so that when they are adults, they'll realize the importance of voting. They'll realize the importance of taking a stand on something. And they'll realize the importance of just being a good human being and not treating other people differently because they're different than you. You had mentioned that even growing up and stuff, you were told certain things about, like, don't look whites in the eyes and that type of thing. Like, what's some of the things that you've had to experience? No, I wasn't told that. I was no. saying, like, my parents were around during the time when they were told that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents didn't tell me that. <laughs> but even growing up, seeing my parents go to work every day and come home and have, like, these different experiences of being treated different. Both of my parents were sometimes the only, but definitely one of the few Black people at their jobs. So my mom had a lot of first in her job. There are pictures of events that she went to or things that she was a part of where she was literally the only person in a sea of white people. So she really made a lot of headway in her field And that was very inspiring to me. But I know that, you know, she was the only one there. So that means there wasn't the same opportunity. If you have a room full of 60 people and only one person is Black, obviously the opportunities aren't the same across the board or else it would be more of a mix. My father was a scientist and he worked for Smithsonian, actually. And he created a tool that helped them be able to tell the weather um, from the sky and like, 
be able to tell what was going on in the trees because he was a botanist. And when it was written about, his colleagues took all the credit, like things like that. So these are things that I still see daily. These are things that I go to work every day and I see how Black people, women especially, are treated very differently, have a very different experience at work than our colleagues. And it's a struggle because before people will listen to you, they have to respect you. And if they're already coming from a place of where they don't respect you because of your gender or your race or both, then it's going to make your struggle to be heard that much harder. And we're dealing with having to go to work, having to raise families, having to do all these things with all of this extra pressure on us from work and then from the world outside because we're not given the same rights. We have different experiences. You look at someone like Sandra Bland who got pulled over and then next thing you know, she's dead. And so that was one of the impetuses for people to realize, oh, this is happening to Black women too, not just men. And so I have friends that won't drive in Virginia because Virginia cops are crazy. You know what I'm saying? And that's to date. So these experiences, we're not getting hosed like they were in the 60s, but we're still dealing with the same crap. It's still there. So what are some of the things that we can do in workplaces to try to help? I know whenever we've talked about diversity and inclusion, if I leave out inclusion, you make a point to include inclusion. <laughs> Can you tell me, like, what's the difference between the two and why is it important to have inclusion at the forefront? Well, it's important to have inclusion because diversity honestly means nothing without inclusion. You can put together a bunch of people who seem different or look different on the outside, but if they don't have the same voice, the same opportunities, if they're not being heard, not being included, then it means nothing that you've had them there. So there's actually like a blog post that I've been sitting on for like six months because I had it in my head as far as, I'm not going to say it anyway because somebody might steal my idea, but I'm going to write it. And maybe and we'll it, include it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write it, but it speaks to how just having the people there is not enough. Just saying, oh, we have Black people, we have women, we have Hispanic people, we have da-da-da, or I think I'm supposed to say Latinx people. We have all these people. We have a disabled person, but okay, what now? Are they having the same promotion opportunities? Are they being listened to in meetings? Things like that. Do you care about their culture, where they came from? When you celebrate holidays and cultures and stuff in the office, are you including people who don't share your same beliefs? So all of these different types of things are what's important so it's not just having a diverse staff, it's including the people and making them feel included, making them feel like they belong, making them not feel like they're outsiders because they're different than the general leadership. Thank you so much for joining me on our little trip around D.C. We'll hopefully do more of these types of things in the future, but thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. It was so much fun. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human Live in 2020, May 11th through the 14th in San Antonio. Visit workhuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2020, 